Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com. Thank you for joining us in those various locations. I want to start today with a quote from the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course, which is a free course at thetrumpet.com. Please sign up for that if you have not. But it says this, God did not create Satan the devil. God created a cherub of high rank, an archangel named Lucifer, perfect in his ways, but possessing the power of free choice. Lucifer transformed himself into the devil by rebelling against the government of God. By his rebellion, Lucifer became Satan. By his own choice in opposing God, he made himself God's adversary. Satan is God's adversary. He's his opponent, his enemy. And Satan is also your enemy. He's your adversary. Now, God didn't create him that way, but he rebelled. He had the power of free choice. He could decide to either follow God or go a different direction, and he went a different direction. And he became God's enemy and God's adversary, and he is man's adversary as well. An adversary is one's opponent in a conflict. We have a daily conflict. We are in a conflict against Satan the devil. It's a daily battle. A daily battle against Satan the devil. Why is it that Satan is so interested in destroying man? Why is he so obsessed with destroying man? Why does he want to fight you? Why is he your adversary? It's simply because the great Lucifer and all the other created angels were never destined to be more than servants of God. None of the angels can be begotten of God and born into the very family of God as mankind can be. You see, there's this amazing, there's incredible human potential. There's a book by that name, The Incredible Human Potential, and it's free at thetrumpet.com. And if you haven't read that, please request it. Or if you haven't read it in a while, it'd be great to read it again. It's such vital knowledge and truth. But man has this incredible potential to be begotten of God and born into the very family of God. The angels never had that potential. Satan hates your God family potential. He hates it. He hates the God family potential of all of mankind. And that's why we see so much destruction of the family. The physical family, as God intended it, teaches us about his family, about being born into his family. So why such an attack on, as they would call it, traditional family? Why an attack on gender roles? All of these things that are very trendy today and terrifying, really. Why is there such a push for that? Well, it's because Satan hates it. He hates man's potential. And he wants to destroy it in every way that he can. That's why you see the trends in society. See, we can't be ignorant of this. We can't be naive to this. We have to understand that Satan is attempting to destroy you every single day. Satan hates your God family potential. 
Satan is the god of this world. He's called that in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. And so he views mankind as a grave threat to his rule. He does not want to be replaced as the god of this world. He views mankind as a threat. And so he's out to destroy you, whether you want to think about it or not, whether I want to think about it or not or confront it. That's exactly what Satan is doing. The correspondence course says, And so what could be better, Satan reasons, than to cause these competitors, that'd be you and me as he views it, to disobey God and thereby disqualify themselves so God cannot use them? Therefore, Satan's whole self-willed purpose, beginning with Adam and Eve, is to destroy all mankind and thus, he hopes thwart the plan of God. That is why Christ called the devil a murderer from the beginning. You can read about that in John 8 and verse 44. The devil is a murderer from the beginning. He wants to murder mankind. He wants to murder you. He's your adversary. Now, you know, if you've looked into the Bible and into the history there, you know that Satan did succeed in getting Adam to rebel against God. Satan attempted to destroy Christ, but Christ defeated Satan. And Christ did qualify to replace him, ruling this earth as he will do when he returns. Christ will take rulership of this earth at his second coming. The correspondence course says, We too must overcome Satan by the word and spirit of God as Christ did. God shows us how we can win the battle. We are in a battle, but we can win it, but we have to fight it God's way. Notice that we are in an all-out battle with Satan for our spiritual lives. This is in 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 9. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 9. If you have a Bible handy, it'd be great to get it out and look at these uh, passages along with me and see what God's Word says. It says, Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. See, we're in this battle, right? We have to be sober. We have to be vigilant, because Satan, who is our adversary, he's walking around Seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to see where he can attack, where he can win. And it's, you know, really a terrifying word picture, but we know we've seen lions walking around in nature films, maybe even personally, but certainly in some sort of a nature program. You see them walking around and they're observing and looking. And then when the moment's right, when they find one in the herd that's a little weak, they pounce. They pounce and they devour. Once they pounce and they get the jaws around the neck of the animal, it's pretty much the end. They kill it. Satan's trying to do that too. And we're told to resist him. We're told to resist him. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So, as this shows, clearly if we are ignorant of Satan's devices, then he will get an advantage of us. You know, if you don't know the lion's there, you're not on guard against it. 
Have you ever seen someone just become irate at the slightest inconvenience at a store or someplace similar? Just, you know, we see those headlines where in very extreme cases, somebody goes to a restaurant, they don't get the the sauce that they wanted, and they start fighting people. Now, we could be kind of ignorant there, think, well, that person's just, you know, strange or whatever. But that's a person that doesn't understand that Satan is broadcasting. They're not fighting it. They don't even recognize it. They probably think, well, you know, of course, I didn't get what I wanted, and it's their fault, and that's why I'm upset. But they don't realize that Satan's broadcasting this hatred, this violence, this competition, this selfishness, and so they're, they're overwhelmed by it. They're ignorant of Satan's devices. And that can happen. It can, we probably have all been in those situations where maybe we've seen it or maybe it's happened to us. Driving is a great example, right? It's easy to get very irritated. We have to be careful because Satan is looking to take advantage, to get us upset, to get us angry, to get us to sin, get us to lose control, to, in the heat of the moment, just react and not think about the fact that Satan is broadcasting. We have to be careful. We have to control ourselves using God's Spirit and not give in to the broadcasting of Satan the devil. Many in the world don't even know that Satan exists or is broadcasting, and that's the way Satan prefers to keep it. But when you do know that, when you know he is broadcasting, then you've got to watch and be careful and make sure that you're drawing close to God and not letting Satan take advantage. Satan wants to take advantage. What is the chief weapon that Satan uses in an attempt to destroy God's saints? What's the chief weapon? Well, look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verses 2 through 3. It says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or our conduct in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Satan works on the poles of the flesh. The correspondence course says, Satan, formerly the great archangel Lucifer, who was originally created perfect in his ways, you can read about that in Ezekiel 28, acquired his satanic nature by his own reasoning and choice. Humans, in turn, acquire Satan's nature from childhood, which we have been misled into calling human nature. Notice how Paul described this natural frame of mind. The carnal mind, an attitude acquired from Satan, is enmity against God. In other words, it's hostile against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You can read that in Romans 8 and verse 7. But once the Holy Spirit of God is added to a person's mind upon repentance and baptism, he has the spiritual awareness and strength to resist the attitudes of self-centeredness, of lust, of greed, of vanity, jealousy, envy, resentment, bitterness, and hate— all of those things which are broadcast to the mind by Satan, those moods, those attitudes, those impulses, he has surcharged the air with that. He is the prince of the power of the air. 
No person is compelled to respond to and obey these impulses from Satan. The devil has no power to force anyone to think or do wrong, but the unsuspecting automatically do so without realizing what is taking place in their minds. Most people just drift along, habitually responding to emotions and impulses, which are often expressed in a sinful way. And you can read about that in Galatians 5. So that's what happens in the world. People drift along. They don't realize that there's these broadcasts and these impulses, so they just respond to emotions and impulses. The person that gets cut off in traffic is angry, and they respond oftentimes sinfully. Or, and if it escalates enough, sometimes there's a shooting or there's something else that happens that's really tragic. But the flare-up of anger, the flare-up of resentment, the flare-up of... of um, frustration and jealousy and these Satan broadcasts these impulses we have to be on guard against those and we have to understand that Satan's broadcasting the spirit of competition of envy of hatred all of those things that's not natural that's not natural it's from Satan and Satan is the one broadcasting it and we've got to understand that and fight against it fight against it even after a person is begotten by God's Spirit, when they're baptized, after having faith and repentance and going through that process, and they're baptized and they're, they have the hands laid on them by God's faithful and true ministry, they have a down payment of that Holy Spirit. They, they, they're beginning to think more like God. They're more um, able to draw upon God and have more power and strength to fight against Satan. But even still... Satan still continues to attack. Satan still continues to attack all the time. Notice 2 Corinthians 11, verses 2 through 4. It says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. See, Paul wanted to really lead people to Christ as as, uh, his job required, and he wanted to do that as an apostle. But, you know, he didn't. He said, look, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I don't want you to follow Satan in his ways. I want you to follow God. He says in verse 3, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, Or if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well bear with them. In other words, you might be deceived. You might think, oh, this is interesting. Oh, this is new. This is a different teaching. And you might go with it. You might be beguiled like Satan beguiled Eve in the Garden of Eden. Satan lies. He tempts. He deceives. And he even has false religions that look good. They sound good, but they teach lawlessness. They teach rebellion against God's law. They teach that the law is done away. That sounds good to a lot of people, but it's not the truth of the Bible. See, Satan lies, he tempts, he deceives. We've got to be on guard against those devices. Second Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15, talk, talking about false religion even, it says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Well, Lucifer transformed himself into the devil, 
And then he tries to act still like he's an angel of light and deceive people. And his, his false ministry, they do that. They transform themselves to look good. Verse 14, it says, And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He still wants people to think that he's good, even though he's rebelled against God. Verse 15, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So you've got to be careful. There's false religion. Satan has his false religion. I mean, that's a major tool that he uses. It's caused much destruction. If you look at the battle between religions in this world over the years, crusades and such, I mean, there's been a lot of death, a lot of destruction, a lot of problems, all in the name of religion, right? But it's false religion. It's false religion. The correspondence course says conversion does not shield you from Satan's wavelength. He continues to broadcast the attitudes of his nature to our minds and works through others to subvert our life in Christ. Yeah, he'll, he'll attack us. He'll attack those around us. I mean, we have to be on guard against that. It says, when Jesus spoke of overcoming, he referred to overcoming the ways of Satan, which are contrary to God's ways. Those who have turned from Satan's way are to be on guard against him and must fight to overcome his subtle urgings and remain true to God's ways. See, we, we have to be on guard and fight against those urgings that still come around and remain true to God's ways and draw close to God and rely upon his power to conquer Satan and ourselves and this society, those things that we battle. Now, the Apostle Paul, he gives us specific instructions on fighting against the impulses and attitudes of the devil. And we read about this in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, we're not going to do it by ourselves. We need God's spirit. We have to draw close to God. He says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That doesn't sound like being uh, relaxed, right? I mean, we have to have relaxed faith. But we can't just be casual. We've got to make sure that we understand we have to put on the whole armor of God because every day we battle Satan. He says that point exactly. He says, look, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. We need God's truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness, we've got to be applying what God teaches us and using his power to think and act like he does. It says, in your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We've got to be doing God's work. We've got to be busy doing God's work and supporting it. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Yeah, we need a shield of faith because things come at us and we have to have the faith of Christ. This is the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Things happen around us. <laughs> things uh, occur. And they can be um, some things that come into our lives even that we have to battle against. We need the shield of faith that says, and take the helmet of salvation 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we need to put all of these things together, and you can study into what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 6 and get into more details. That's, there's more detail about it specifically in the correspondence course, but it gives you a general picture that we have to be fighting. We have to be battling Satan every day. He is our adversary. We can't take that for granted, and he's becoming more and more active, and his demons are becoming more and more active the closer we get to the return of Christ. But again, we have the power of God to help us to conquer Satan. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live By Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.